It is the 31st of July 2017, it is Monday and today I am going to be talking a little bit about a topic that came up in my news feed. As I mentioned um, earlier last week, I was going to start shaking up the episodes a little bit, not sticking to the same schedule necessarily, focusing on things that seem to gain more interest um, over some of the other day's uh, topics. And so that is what I want to do today. I apologize, there is some background noise and some echo. It's got to do with the fact that there is no power in the area I'm in again and the generators are running. So we'll make the best of what we have available to us at this point in time. Um, and the topic that I'm going to talk a bit about today came up in my newsfeed. It was a businesstech.co.za article um, which focused on the salaries of or average salaries of employees in South Africa's five biggest banks. And so that's what I want to chat about a little bit today. So the Business Tech article pointed to some data from Stats South Africa that showed that in 2016 the average income for non for the formal non-agricultural sector was about 210,000 rand per annum or roughly 16,000 dollars $16, per year depending on the exchange rate that is applied at the point in time. Now, what they kind of highlighted was that the banking sector, at least, seemed to be paying about average, uh, paying about double what that average amount was, about 457,000 rand. Now, um, what is interesting about this is they then went and dug into the, the big banks, so they looked at Investec, well, it was actually six banks they looked at, Investec, Standard Bank, First Rand, APSA, Nedbank, and Capitec. Looked at the number of employees that are reported in the financial results that are published, the total salary cost by those banks reported in their financials, and then calculated the average per employee. Um, and so you land up in a situation where you find, for example, Investec, which is by far the smallest number of employees, only just over 9,000 employees, um, with a salary uh, cost to the company of uh, 13 billion rand, was giving about a 1.4 million rand average income. And on the bottom end, you had Capitec with 13,000 employees, a wage bill of 2.5 billion rand per year. So that worked out to be about 194,000 rand per year as the average income per or the average employee income there. Um, but what was interesting also about that is they then went to go and look at the CEO salaries, and they looked at how much the CEO is being paid and what you know percentage of the total. Uh, salary bill is the CEO's bill and you know what the pay gap um, was between the average uh, for the employee versus what the CEO is being paid. So in the case of Capitec for example um, you know the CEO uh, his salary made up 1.4% of the total wage bill and then you would have someone like Standard Bank, for example, because uh, they were 0.1%. In fact, nobody else was over 1%. The next highest was Investec at 0.5%. Um, that's what their CEO's salary um, represented as a percentage of the overall wage bill. So there's a bit of a big discrepancy there between Capitec and, and the other banks, perhaps. Um, and so what that equated to, for example, in the case of Capitec, was a pay gap of 183 times between the CEO's salary and the average 
salary of an employee in Capitec. Now, again, this is a, this metric is a little bit skewed as well because um, you're looking at the average and obviously top management and middle management salary packages will be higher than the entry level, the person working as a teller within the bank, for example. And so even this is not a great um, way of, of necessarily, it's, uh, it's probably the best working on the data available, but it, it's probably a, a fair way off from what is the, uh, you know, how big that gap really is between the bottom kind of l ranked employee and the CEO. But still, an interesting uh, exercise to go through. You know, some people argue that you should, um, that the CEO should be earning less and giving that more. And, you know, I kind of looked at what difference it was. And, you know, if the, the CEO was to split his salary in amongst the others, it doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, to, to be honest, uh, I don't think that's necessarily the right solution. But it did get me reading a, a couple of articles um, that I found quite interesting. And I want to share with you in the next segment one that I found on Forbes from a few years ago, which is quite an interesting perspective um, on why the gap is still there and widening. So the article on Forbes.com is by Adam Harton, and it's from uh, June 2015. And uh, it was looking at the 350 of the largest uh, public companies in the US and looking at the wage gap. And there they were talking about basically three, a multiple of 300. And that this had multiple of 300 had actually been around since 1998. It had peaked um, basically in 2000 um, at 376. But that for about 15 years, it had been averaging around 300, this multiple, you know, in terms of the wage gap from the CEO to the lowest paid worker in the business. And what was interesting was to see how quickly it rose. So they basically highlighted that in the 60s, it was a multiple of 20. And right up until about um, 1990, it was uh, at a, 60 of, uh, a multiple of 60. But it was from 1990 to 2000 where it really went you know, crazy from a multiple of 60 to over 300. And uh, he kind of looked at a couple of reasons as why this is the case. And the first one is that the reason that he gave was because CEOs can. Um, you know, he kind of points to the fact that they are, they're kind of like kings. They're not elected to their positions, but they're appointed. They're appointed by a board who's generally made up of CEOs or former CEOs. Um, and so, you know, they kind of speak to the fact that, uh, you know, it's that, CEOs really can kind of get away with it if they want. He, the other thing he spoke about is um, a, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, the Lake Wobegon effect. And essentially what they're talking about is, you know, if you have a situation where the top 350 CEOs are, you know, all accomplished individuals, and if you get an, uh, someone publishes the average salary for CEOs, you know, and a CEO finds themselves... Um, below the average, uh, and they've go to the board and say, "Well, do you think I'm below average?" I mean, how does the board argue it? If they were, if they thought he was below average, they probably wouldn't have kept him on. And so, this process continues, and eventually, when you've got the top 350 CEOs all asking the same question each year, you just see this continuous drive up in terms of the wages. 
And so, yeah, I mean, perhaps that is something, you know, that, that we should look at is, uh, you know, that kind of logic um, is, is an interesting uh, perspective to take on it. The one also that I found interesting that he looked at was um, how he explained that um, he called it, it's a king's court. And so essentially speaking to the fact that the people who do for the performance appraisals and the external, you know, um, uh, kind of evaluators and consultants and that they come into these companies, obviously these guys, nine times out of 10, their salaries are going to be determined by the CEO. And to give the CEO a poor performance doesn't benefit you very much because Obviously, this is the person, don't bite the hand that feeds you, basically. And, and also in banking sectors and that, you've got to look at it as if you give a poor performance to a CEO, um, then it's going to have a knock-on effect in terms of the share price and, you know, all of these kind of things, and you have this domino effect. But I think that the big thing that he drives home in his article, and to be honest, uh, looking at the numbers and having played around with them a little bit, taking different assumptions as to how the salary split out and, and what impact it would really make, it comes back down to the fact that in terms of all the worries that big companies have, you know, the, the CEO's salary is really the smallest part of it. The risks that they carry in terms of cybersecurity as as was highlighted in the article or you know patent infringements and compliance issues those carry a far higher cost to the business than the CEO salary and so they kind of you might find a, a situation where people tend to just brush over it and and focus on the business um, does it make it right I don't know it's a difficult question to answer what are your thoughts? Um, I'll be keen to hear what, what your thoughts are. You can call into the show on anchor.fm through the app. You can leave your comments at tristandhall.co.za. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, etc. Um, I really appreciate you listening to the show and for your support so far. Look forward to hearing from you guys on your thoughts about this topic and catch you all tomorrow. Cheers.